Hello and welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from beautiful, sunny Santa Cruz, California. All right, that'll do. That works. I don't know. So, I don't know great job. We're, we're in sunny Santa Cruz. There we go. I'll tell you what, how about we do this? Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California, USA, member of the world. Um, <laughs> It's a lean crew tonight. Why are we doing these intros? Liza's still away. She's in Utah land, but she is on her way back. Won't make it for the podcast, but I think she'll make it to editing, which is a very, very good thing. So let's talk about who is in the studio. He's bearded. He's bespectacled. He is bespoke. He's it's sexy. I didn't, dead, I'm dead sexy. I didn't say that, <laughs> but I implied it. It's Johnny. It's dead sexy Johnny. Are you sexy dead? I, <laughs> Miss Stumpy says I'm sexy everywhere. <laughs> oh, God almighty. <laughs> we haven't even started the show yet. Um, and um, we have Scotty in the studio as well. Hello. So Hello. It's nice to have you here. So. And who else? Well, coming to us from Venita, Oregon, or as I like to say, Velveta, Oregon. Um, he is everyone's favorite ginger. When it comes to collecting scooters, he's a ninja. When... <laughs> when he watches films, he likes to be on the fringer. Mm. It's bagel. Him. When you ask him for money, he's a little bit stinger. He's stinger. He's the super stinger. How are you, Bagel? It is, it is I. I. I am well. Uh, very comfortable here in my my uh, my climate controlled shop, where it is uh, much much more uh, comfortable than it is outside right now. So yeah, what's the climate like in Velveeta today? Uh, it's in the upper eighties today. It's oh, so it's a warm a, one. A trifle warm. Yeah, it's a bit warm. A little toasty. And, uh, but my, uh, my shop with my new heat pump is doing really, really nice. Oh, that's lovely. I, I got yeah. a single text from Liza and it just said it is 115 degrees in Las Vegas. Oof. That was, that was it. That's all she sent. So as far as we're aware, Liza may have melted. Mm. So, um, like I said, we're a little bit of a lean crew, but we do have things to talk about tonight. So don't, uh. Switch off your podcast yet? Not yet. Um, we had a nice, <laughs> nice little day at the garage today, didn't we? It was. It was mellow. It was a holiday weekend. It was a holiday weekend. Um, we're getting ready to celebrate America's birthday on the fourth, um, but we did have some visitors come along. Um, you came a little bit later. I actually opened the garage today, and Charlie and Micah, mm-hmm. our favourite newlyweds, came down and helped me open up. As did Naked Jim. Oh, Naked Jim was here. Yeah, he was here just early, but um, didn't wasn't able to stay for very long. No. Um, he's still... Jim kind of alternates between doing his thing down in Southern California on dirt bikes, yeah. uh, which occupies a lot of his time. Mm-hmm. And then he spends sort of the remaining time with his sweetie, as he should. He should. But it's always great seeing Jim. Um, and I think we might go out for a ride on... 4th of July. Oh, that's oh, great. Lovely. Yeah, I think so. Nice. I think so. Um, who else was here today? Well, 
Ellie was here. Ellie was here, and um, I have a confession to make. So Ellie came here and wanted to fit tires to her motorbike. All excited to. Very excited. And who forgot to order her tires? Liza. No. Jim. Um, no, me. Oh. No, she sent oh, me a no. text about three or four weeks ago and said, oh, can you get me some tires? Um, I want some um, Michelin Pilot Road 4s. And I'm like, yeah, sure I can. And um, I put in the order for them. And that Versus 650 of hers, it's got a sort of peculiar sized rear tire. I can't remember if it's a 150 or a 160. It's one of the two. And they didn't immediately have them in stock. So I lost interest then. I completely forgot about it. And then she reminded me of it today. I'm like, oh, shit. So oh. just for shits and giggles, I went on to the wholesaler's website. Of course, they've got plenty in stock now. But I'm leaving in three days. I can't believe it. It came so quick. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. So um, it's time for Emma and Kat's Alpine Adventure oh, again. Mm-hmm. Redux. You said 20, how many? 21? 21. Crazy. That's great. great. No, wow. it's going to be a great group. And what we do... It's actually far more manageable than it sounds because we'll break up into groups of approximately five. And I say approximately because it's not really based on numbers. It's based on either actual or perceived riding skill. And so um, Kat tends to lead Pickle Squadron, who are the fast ones, because um, Kat is a, a fast boy, he is. <coughs> And then um, I take the slow coaches. I take the slowest group, which is Gold Squadron. And usually I will start off the week with the smallest group because nobody wants to admit they're slow. Um, By the end of the week, my numbers have swelled because we're the ones who have all the fun. Because, you know, we just we leave first out of every stop. But we stop and take pictures and smell the flowers and, oh, look, there's a village down there. Let's ride through it and Mm. do all stuff like that and just generally have a good time and it's a very much slower pace. Um, And we still get to have some fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll probably... So our first day, of course, is Monday and that's when we ride to Canatsey and then probably Tuesday I'll do the Stelvio. Mm. But that's a long day. Yeah. That's an 11-hour day if you do the Stelvio. So you need to get... The method is we have a big breakfast. We stuff ourselves full of breakfast and coffee and get ourselves all wired up on caffeine. Mm. And then go riding and you can have very, very light lunch. You can literally just have a snack from one of these um, little cafes they have at the peak of all the the, um, passes. And then that'll do us till we get back for dinner. Mm. But it's a wonderful trip. I encourage everyone, if you if you are thinking about it, or you went in 23, um, or you went in 22, and you couldn't quite make it for 23, come and join us again in 24. We're going to do these, barring a disaster, we will do these every year. I mean, they're a very popular trip. It's very reasonably priced, and it's so much fun. Um, and it's really a life-changing experience as far mm-hmm. as riding goes. And you'll be gone for some time to do these trips, yeah? Well, as long as my body is able to allow me to. I mean, sometimes I get up in the morning and I'm so rickety, I don't think I can make it to the bathroom. But as long as I can I can still keep it going, yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason to stop. Sorry, I meant um, you're heading out in a few days. And oh, yeah. you gone for a month or so, yeah? Well, yes and no. Um, 
So I always go a little bit early because I want to greet people at the airport and I want to make sure I greet people at the hotel. So I will be flying out on Thursday, even though the trip doesn't officially start until Monday. And oh, you we'll, get time to get acclimated to yeah, the time exactly. change. Yeah, exactly. It gets me on German time. Um, and then um, I'll probably go back to the airport and meet people who are coming in on Saturday and maybe even Sunday and kind of shepherd them in. Um, and then we do that trip, and then we do the Castles and Curves trip immediately afterwards, which is a far smaller trip, uh, far smaller group. That's nine, nine or ten people. Um, it's the logistics of it are slightly tougher um, because we're staying in a different place every night. The Misfits, um, the Alpine Adventure, we stay in the same hotel in Italy. All the time. So you just, you pull in the first night, you just unload all your gear Mm -hmm. and then you just pack what you need for that particular day, which makes things a little easier for the castles and curves trip with different place. We're moving on every day. And you know what you're going to be riding the whole time. Um, So for the um, misfits adventure, I'm doing an F 900 R, which is the sporty one. Mm. And then I'm actually switching and I'm going to do um, an F 900 XR. Okay. For the... Has panniers and everything? Though. Yeah. Oh, no, all the bikes do. Yeah. All the bikes have panniers. All the bikes have top case. All the bikes have a tank bag. Mm. So there's no problem with your stuff. But, you know, it's just clunky moving things mm-hmm. from place to place. So I went for a slightly physically bigger bike. Yeah. But I love those 900 twins. They do absolutely everything I want them to. Twin cylinder, it's like 115 horsepower. That's great. That's all you yeah, need. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Very agile. Really agile. Great brakes, good handling. And they've got this mode, you see. It's a BMW, so it's very high-tech. Of course see. it is. And you press all these buttons, and you find the one that says mode. And then you've got, I think, rain, which is, like, just gruesome. <laughs> but you can't do anything bad in rain. You can pin the throttle. And it won't spin the wheel. It won't do anything bad to you in yeah. rain. You know, a child could ride this bike in rain. And then you've got touring, which is one step up the evolutionary scale. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, um, uh, what have you got? Road, which is kind of, you know, it's sporty. But then it's got this lovely thing called dynamic. Oh. And you press dynamic and the throttle response gets a lot sharper. And it kind of, it hunkers down on its suspension. Hmm. And it's like the bike almost like goes... <laughs> Let's rock. (laughs) And they are fun bikes. They really are. So I am really, really looking forward to it. But of course, um, in answer to your question, Scotty, I've I've closed the shop for the entire month. A lot of my equipment in there is getting so old and beat up. Hmm. And so I thought it was easy. Just I've been telling people, look, Mototown is closed for July. That's it. If you need your bike working on, you can take it somewhere else or just wait. And I'll, promise i'll do it when i get back so i've got a week i'll be back on the 24th which will give me a week i can do the necessary renovations in the shop i can uh service the tire machine still using that same tire machine that thing's a beast it serves me very well (laughs) but it's kind of getting clunky and it needs a service um buy a new drill buy a new um press all the things I need to replace just because I simply wore them out, I can do it 
re-grand opening on the 1st of August. Boom. Somebody's going to Harbour Freight. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could get away with Harbour Freight. I know. But, the you know, the argument, Harbour Freight does great stuff, so this isn't going to turn into a trashing of Harbour Freight. And Harbour Freight have gotten me out of a hole so many times. But you can never tell with a Harbour Freight tool whether it's going to last you once or it's going to be one of the best tools in your in your set. And, you know, as an example, you know, I, I remember I was in an absolute pickle and I bought a chain breaker from Harbour Freight. Mm-hmm. And it lasted once, which was great because I needed it there and then. But it only lasted me once. Yeah. And then, so meanwhile, then I get my next one from XL, which I think I paid, God, 200 bucks Oof. for. But I'm still using it. And I do a lot of chains. I, bet you I do. do a lot of chains down there. And it's the same as that tire machine. It's a beast. Mm-hmm. But I, I really, really use that tire machine hard. So, yeah. you know, tra-la-la. Give, it, give yeah. it some love. Yeah, exactly. Everything, everything needs love every now and then. Um, so, yes, Ellie was here. Um, and then uh, Doug came by and said hello. And it's always nice seeing Doug. I love Doug. Yeah, Doug's a good Such egg. Such a good guy. Um, and his family is flying in from Hawaii. Did you know he was sort of raised in Hawaii? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Lucky guy. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, he just, I asked him about it. I said, well, you know, it's Hawaii, it's kind of like neat place. And he said, oh, yeah, I love Hawaii. But it's kind of an island and you, you kind of <laughs> get this, you get this wanderlust yeah. when you live on an island is like, what's outside? And it was kind of like that with me with England to a certain extent. I mean, England's a very, very big island. Very much like an island. But it is an island. And, you know, you you kind of get to the edge of it and you think, what's out there? You know, what's beyond there? So, you know, as a teenager, I used to strap my sleeping bag on the back of the bike and, you know, head down to the ferry at Dover and, you know, get off at France or Belgium or wherever it was going and then just point the bike somewhere and explore well, we got a lot going on here too. So next yes. weekend is Moto America. Yes. So looking forward to that. I am looking very much forward to missing that. Yeah. I I really was going to enjoy Moto America, but yeah. there you go. And I think we're doing some test rides on one of the Chinese bikes. I forget which one we're doing. Mm, but I think funny. she's setting something up with that. So yeah, so we'll be down there. Any listeners who are there, make sure you kind of look for us. Look for the stumpy guy and the very tall Gray-haired woman, and that's us. Yeah, yeah, not hard to miss. Nope, we're Mutt and Jeff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and anybody else from the Misfits going to be there? Do you think? I don't know. Mike said he was going down. Mike said he was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mikey three times. Mikey was here today. With yeah, Mikey bike. three times. Mikey three times. Yeah, well, good. I don't well, know if he's going with us or he's taking. Uh, no, I think he'll take the down. fam. Yeah, no, I think he'll take the true. family, which is great. But I'm excited about the next weekend too, which is Arma. Oh God, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so that's gonna be that's gonna be a blast. Now, um, what's happening with uh, um, vintage days as well? Because that's coming up. in That's June. coming the week after that. It's a huge. I think when you get back, we're headed to vintage motorcycle days. So, yeah, well, so, no, yep. I'm still going to be away. I thought the 24th. You said you're back. In, oh, he's technically going to be away. Yeah. So, yep. but I'll uh, be there. J- nope. Yeah. So Jim. Uh, Liza and I are flying. Bagel, are you doing the cannonball again? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm driving the van out. Oh, okay. Going to pick some stuff up, huh? 
Uh, well, maybe, or I'm going to hopefully, hopefully be bringing something. Ooh. I, I've turned my unicorn into a T-bone. Oh, wow. So explain, <laughs> explain to the listeners what you got there. This is a CT70 frame that I've stripped down. Yes. And I'm hoping to get that reassembled with all of the parts that I have uh, off of another bike uh, and bring that to Mid-Ohio. Just to tool around on? Or are you going to sell yep. it? Uh, I'm not planning on selling it, but... You know, Put a if I get the right offer, it. you never know. <laughs> yeah. I never thought I would see the day when you were on a motorbike, Bagel. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I, I think I'm also going to try and revive the Passport and bring that as well. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Well, that's great. Oh, fantastic. So we're looking forward to that. We'll be there with uh, Cleveland Moto folks. So, Phil, we're coming to you, baby. So, now, has Phil, Phil arranged some kind of groovy transport? That's what, what I've heard. Oh, we're not doing a... I think we did a van last year. We didn't do a... So we've a done bus. a school bus. I think he the, got rid of the school bus. Yeah, and then oh, he yeah. had a fire truck for a little while. Yeah, he doesn't have that. Well, we didn't take that last time. Okay. But yeah, he'll have his truck. They usually have three or four vehicles and then all the other guys and... Yeah, 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 That's such a fun do, time. And they do the encampment and... Yeah. And, and it's completely dry. Nobody drinks there, too. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> AMA Vintage Days is an alcohol-free event. It's a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of nuns with, and priests. Yeah, absolutely. With the, with the, with the featuring the non-alcoholic bourbon fairy. Yeah, there yes, you go. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, in a master stroke, the, um, the Cleveland Moto Camp is usually right across from the crappers, which sounds like a terrible deal, but it isn't. It wasn't last time when I went. Really? No. no, when I was there, they were literally right across the street because, of course, you'd be drinking gin <laughs> from early in the morning, <laughs> alcohol-free, of course. Yes. And then for some reason, the floor would come up to greet you at mm. about lunchtime and walking vertically wasn't on the options anymore. <laughs> so you could just sort of crawl to the restroom <laughs> and do what you had to do and kind of crawl yeah. back and collapse under the bus again. Whether you're talking about housing, you're talking about a camping spot. The same rules apply. Location, location, location. True. Oh, yes. So yep. when I was there last time, it was up. We were right next to the burnout pit guys with the captain and all that. Oh, but that was yep. fun. It was fun. If you didn't want to sleep, it was fun. Yeah, I was going to say, that was probably quite a noisy little spot. It was, yeah, it was a blast. It was a blast. So I think Moto GP said he was trying to come out or, or Squiggy. So we'll see those guys. And oh, I, fantastic. I heard from uh, some of our uh, some of the guys that were on the uh, Pakistan trip with me last year coming. You know what? Whenever we go to a big event like Armour, like, you know, super bikes mm -hmm. like vintage days there's always going to be a big contingent of yeah. motorcycle and missile listeners listeners and don't be shy just hey yeah, come see us come see us hey come party with us we're fun we're fun people we I are. think we are I, I think we are yeah there you are but armor this year is doing a swap meet first yes. time so i'm excited about that hopefully we can get a little vintage motorcycle day vibe at armor so if you don't know Arma's uh, the American Historical Racing so something like that. So we'll have they'll have vintage motocross and vintage uh, road racing and uh, there'll be vintage there's a flat track that goes on right. and, then, and this is all going to be at Laguna Seca yeah. so it's a great location. Such a great venue. Yeah. Um, my nice. advice if you're coming in dress like an onion. Lots of yep. layers because it's going to be colder than crap in the morning and when the sun goes down this is coastal California weather. But, man, it gets hot down there. Cause sure you're, you're in a kind of natural amphitheater, and it gets plenty warm, yep. especially when you're in the kind of pits area 
because you're at the bottom and oh god it gets steamy in mm-hmm. there so um wear lots of layers yeah and make sure you hydrate Hydrate. Not with alcohol, yeah. of course. No. No. Clearly. No, water's good. <laughs> it's with whiskey in it <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so let me see. Well, we um, – who else did we do today? Because um, – oh, I was going to say, after the uh, vintage days – do we have one more event or is that it now for the summer? Didn't we have uh, something in Monterey? Uh, like an auction or something? Did I mishear that? I can't remember. I could have mm. swore that this that Liza said there's something going on. In- well, it's action packed. We we it's we're- crazy. Yeah, summer. Anyway, so what we're going to talk about tonight? Um, Scotty did a ride report, and it mm-hmm. does sound pretty epic. Yeah, they had Be- quite a ride. Before we get there, I want to share an interesting tale from Mototown, and I always like to share these from time to time. Because it kind of caught me sideways. And I promise you it's not a reflection on either the manufacturer, Chinese-made bikes in general, or anything like that. Or the management. Or the management. (laughs) But it kind of, it caught me a little bit sideways. And I wasn't sure what to do about it. So um, one of my regular customers, very, very dear man, he has a Benelli TRK 502. And for those that don't know, the Benelli TRK is an adventure bike. It's a nice looking and bike. And it's a very, very nice looking yeah. bike. And Benelli, as you may or may not be aware, is an Italian company. Mm-hmm. Um, and got a very, very long storied career. However, the bikes are made in China for Benelli. So it's a Chinese made bike, theoretically to Benelli standards. Um and we've talked about this bike in the past. Liza was actually thinking about buying it for a little while. And she was grumbling because the seat cover was torn. And the owner said, well, you know, a new seat cover is only 20 bucks for it. So right. it's tra-la-la. It is what it is. Anyway, the fork started leaking on it. Now, this isn't an uncommon um, problem on any bike. And it's a large proportion of what I do. So due diligence, I get the bike in. Pop the dust covers off the forks, measure the stanchion, measure the outer diameter of fork. Right, there's my dimension. Oh, it's exactly the same as a Marzocchi fork. They're quite big forks. You know, they're 50 millimeters, which oh, is, is quite, a, yeah. you know, it's like a hmm. baby's arm. And, but it, you know, it's, it's a Marzocchi style fork. So it's either made under license or maybe Marzocchi make the forks and then ship them out to whoever. Could it not also just be a very similar design from a totally different manufacturer? Unlikely. Okay. Because it, it's a very, very unusual side. So anyway, I order a decent set of fork seals. You know, um, those that know me know I've got like my, my pet manufacturers who I can always rely on. Like, like you. Ball, you. Balls, right? Is that the one you like? No. Oh, I thought you did. No. Um, USO batteries, Michelin tires, yeah. Motul oil blah 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 so anyway so my go-to fork seals are skfs um you know they're kind of a nice green and they're kind of weird rubber but you kind of plop them in and pretty much forget about them and so i ordered a set of those and then the bike came in and it's got this kind of elaborate fork cap 
on it. And in order to change the seal, so when you've got an upside-down fork, the way you generally change the seals, there's a nut on the bottom where the axle goes through, which sometimes does something and sometimes doesn't. A lot of them don't even have a bolt in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one did, but I took it out and it didn't do anything. So I thought, okay. The way to get to the forks is you undo the cap and then you kind of push down a sleeve and there's a lock nut and you undo that and the whole thing comes apart and it's great. Well, this bike had these very, very elaborate fork caps on. And try as I might, I couldn't find a bloody tool for it. Oh, elaborate, like huh. they had all kinds of intricate machining, but yes. not in a hexagon shape? Oh, no. And usually Marzucci's don't have that, though, right? No. Not interesting. Hmm. So, so it, what it basically is, it's, it's a kind of, it's an interesting pattern. It almost looked like the wheel of a car. But the key feature, it had got seven four-millimeter holes hmm. in a diameter that obviously a tool was to go in the holes, and then you could turn it out. Trouble is, hmm. nobody had a tool. Hmm. And so, first off, I called corporate, and it just so happens that Benelli and SSR are the same people. Mm-hmm. And so I called corporate, and I said, hey, listen, this is Emma, you know, a very independent shop here in Monterey. I've got this beast on my bench. Can you sell me a tool for the forks? And... The guy said, no, we're corporate, but here's your local dealer. And I'm like, oh, I don't like those guys. Who's the best dealer in California? And he said, oh, North County Yamaha. And they'll. So I called them up and I said, hey, I got your number from corporate. Um, can you sell me at all? And he said, of course I can, but it doesn't exist. Really? And I'm like. <laughs> There's a market opportunity here. Right. And I said what he said yeah it doesn't exist there's no listing for it i said well how about the fork cap he said i'm not seeing that either i said are you sure he says i'm seeing a fork assembly but i'm not seeing a fork cap and i mean we're not talking about some kid here this is a guy he's like he's obviously knows his past he's like this is quite unusual i said okay he said let me do some research and i'll come back to you in the meantime, I thought, well, there's a possibility that these forks were made by Marzocchi because it's a Marzocchi-sized seal. Let's see if the Marzocchi corporate office can help me. In America, Marzocchi is solely dealing with bicycle parts. So in short answer, they couldn't. Now, I want to point out these caps had been Loctited in. You know, they didn't want them to come undone. So I needed seven holes worth of purchase on them right. to get the bloody things undone. So anyway, the, the, the guy from North County Yamaha in San Diego called me back. And he said, okay, I just got off the phone to corporate and there is no tool. What they are recommending is a pin tool from Harbor Freight. Okay. <laughs> Adjustable <you> pin spanner. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, I'm not sure if that's going to work because these things are on so tight. I don't think two pins are going to work. I think you're going to need seven. That's why they put seven on. And he said, yeah. He said, well, he said, this is a newer bike. Um, 
you know, he said there are ways and means of doing it, but he sounds, he said it sounds like you got one where they got busy with the red Loctite when they were assembling it. So what we did, he found the fork caps and in true Benelli style, they're not expensive. So what we did, I ordered the new caps knowing they'll be waiting for me when I get back from Italy. And it gives me a lot more leeway to destroy the old caps. I don't understand why they, that's a, that's not an uncommon tool. I mean, it's something that's going to happen to bikes. Well, it's, it's, you know, and I can make a tool. Right. Um, and all my tool's going to look like is going to look like a large disc of metal Mm -hmm. with probably seven four millimeter Allen bolts facing down. Yeah. And weld them all in. Mm -hmm. And then I'll probably weld a hex in the middle of, of it. So you can kind of put it on mm-hmm. and then get your wrench and blah. Have you ever experienced this with other manufacturers? Well, no, it kind of caught me out. I have with weird stuff, like holders and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and just weird. But something as fundamental as a fork right. job, it kind of caught me out a little bit. And... Or are they trying to encourage you to buy a whole new fork rather than... Well, I don't think they are, but I think that's how Benelli buy them. So I think I have this suspicion that the Benelli is made up of component parts that are bought in from everywhere else. Or, or should I say it's SSR? That's who actually makes the thing and puts Benelli badges on under the authority of Benelli. And I think, like a lot of manufacturers, they pull parts in from everywhere. I mean, it's no secret, Hondas do not have Honda forks on. Kawasaki's do right. not have Kawasaki brakes on them, and so on and so forth. I mean, if you, if you go to the, the good version of the bike, it's always going to have Brembo brakes. It's always going to have Olin shocks. It's always going to have Michelin tires, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, and there's... Electrics are usually made by Stanley in the old days. Lucas. Uh, <laughs> Lucas. Oh, God, yes. Amal carburetors. I mean, this is nothing new, but it seems that when a manufacturer sells a bike with Kayaba forks, they tri- even though the forks came from a different manufacturer, you can still get the parts from Kawasaki for the Kayaba forks fitted on a Kawasaki. Are you following me? I am. <laughs> and I think that's been, that step of the process is missing. And nobody wants to step up and say, oh, well, they're, you know, Marzocchi forks or, I don't know, you know, Ying Sang Tidlai Polad, <laughs> Hu Flung Dung forks. It really doesn't matter. But, you know, it seems like there's this missing step. So, I th- like I say, I've got these fork caps coming. And it certainly doesn't mean I'm going to start chiseling on the other ones. I'll probably have a go at making the tool. It's not going to be that hard to make. But, you know, it'll it'll probably take me an hour to make it. Yeah, that's, but, that's money. Yeah, I mean, it is. But, it's you know, I think in this case, it's got to be done. How many of those Benelli's you see come across your, your uh, work? Not many. Yeah. You know, and it's for me, it's simple economics. You know, I got, I have... Uh, um, a lot of triumphs come through. So to buy the triumph software to turn right. off the um, the, uh, main, the maintenance thing maintenance <laughs> makes good sense to me. Right. 
BMWs, I don't get enough to warrant spending that amount of money that BMW won. I mean, Triumph won 500 bucks for that tool. Well, tra-la-la, that's plenty of money, but I can recoup that right. just by numbers. BMW won a lot of money for that service tool. A lot of money. So in the case of this uh, fork cap removal challenge, are you going to try the adjustable Harbor Freight pin spanner first or just go straight to making your own Already got seven one. pin thing? Already got one. It's not going to shift it. Mm. Mm. It needs seven. This particular one needs seven pins. And I think I'm a victim of somebody just being busy with the, with the red Loctite in the factory, wherever that was. Because normally these fork top caps are not on tight. When you make that final tighten of the top triple tree, the top mm -hmm. bridge, yeah, it clamps, the whole it thing clamps it all together. And so they don't need to be super tight. I mean, you look at the torque values on them. It's always very, very low. It's like seven or eight foot pounds, even though they're big nut. Um, this is tight. This is like super tight. So, um, and of course, you know, it's, it's a pretty looking thing. So, you know, I was mindful to get wrenching on it, but the pin tool ain't going to work. A better quality one might, but the Harbour Freight one was, it was bending all kinds, it was going all kind of pretzel shapes before it even started moving. So, yeah, it's just an odd little tail. So how, we were talking about this in the garage, how, how do you feel about Chinese bikes now? I know we, we've talked about this a few times, but like, are they, are, are they ready for mass consumption? You know, are, especially when you figure like KTM motors it's, are built there, Triumph, I mean... I remember working on a Chinese scooter probably 15 years ago. And this thing had got no miles on it at all. It got like 500 miles on it. And it had spent its life. It broken down 101 times mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And the biggest issue was you couldn't get parts for it. Right. Because there was no parts backup. <clears throat> and I'm feeling that may, might not have changed. Huh. So you're not... I'm not, you know, it's... Uh, had it not been for my little Benelli tail... Right. I might have given a different answer. Mm. But it's just, I'm, I'm not sure whether... I, you know, I'm really not sure how I feel about it, whether it's right or wrong. It's just an odd little tale of something as simple as a wrench to take the fork cap off so I can do the fork seals. Well, it goes deeper than that, right? Because it's I as would, simple as whoever designed this funny fork cap with a weird set. And so it goes situation. on. And I mean, yeah, exactly. The, this, this very simple task gains legs from odd design, from um, odd outsourcing, from odd parts delivery you know it's just it's a catalog of things and then ultimately you become a victim whoever made it at the factory whether that was marzocchi it in italy and then they ship these things out which i think is highly unlikely i think it's 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 more likely that they there's a factory in china that makes these things from a copy of a marzocchi fork I find yeah. it, because it's such an odd size and a right. big size, I find it very, very hard to believe that that was manufactured independently. It's an Italian bike, and right. it's got exactly this Marzocchi-sized seal in it. 
So that's a bit too coincidental. Well, Italians do some head scratchers sometimes too. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I was thinking this week um, just about the state of motorcycling in general. So do you do you feel like the, uh, any any cutting edge R and D is now going to come out of China because there's the move to electric bikes in the West and. You well, know, there's a move to electric bikes worldwide, and you know we we can grumble and moan about it all we want, but you know I don't, I really don't think we're going to see any major R and D done on the infernal combustion engine anytime soon. And I mean, there's got put that into perspective. I mean, there's going to be new engines made, um, but you know i mitsubishi were working on the variable stroke engine i got very excited mm. about that <laughs> but that seems to have gone nowhere what, what was that can you explain that um it was kind of like a cantilever system because long stroke engines tend to give you a lot more torque it's you know having a long stroke engine from top dead center to bottom dead center gives you a lot more torque but when you get into the higher rev range right it's very disadvantaged because you get a lot of vibration, mm-hmm. you get, you know, blah, 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 and you can only rev them so much. Short stroke engines are great for high revving applications, but at lower RPM, they can lack torque. Right. So by doing this like cantilever system, Mitsubishi were working on an engine that had variable t- stroke. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing mm-hmm. thing. And so it had all the benefits of a long stroke engine at low RPM, and then it, the stroke gradually shortened and became a very, very high revving short stroke engine. Um, hmm. But I haven't heard anything more about yeah. that, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, I always wonder. You know, after beating Pakistan last year, I mean, they can't even keep the lights on all day long there. There's just so much, so much demand on electricity and lack of production. You get you start to wonder, like, really, how far are they away from actually having electric vehicles if they can't even. Keep the lights on. Well, and, you know, electric vehicles may not be a thing for all of us. I mean, I can see Europe Europe being an early adopter. Be, of course. Just when you – anybody who's been in a European city knows it's only a matter of time right. before it's fully electric. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, and, can, you can see the writing on the wall. Yeah, and, and really it's, it's a question of infrastructure because Europe has – a very dense infrastructure that's already very easily adapted to electric vehicles, the U.S. less so. But even even in that, even in our situation, we still have a pretty good infrastructure for electric electric vehicles compared to a lot of countries. Right. And with Pakistan, like they, a lot of places don't even have the infrastructure to deliver electricity. Right. That's why yep. you know the power you know goes off so often. I mean, if if they had better infrastructure, if they had the resources. To, to put that in place, it would be a different story. And, and that's really what's needed, um, you know, in, in so much of the world. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's ever going to be as black and white as there are no more internal combustion engines and now there are yeah. only electric vehicles. I mean, it, like any solution, it's, it's going to be a lot of different solutions and just a lower volume right. Internal combustion engines gonna be part of that solution, and yeah. for countries like Pakistan that have these wide open spaces and simply will not, in the foreseeable future, be able to put in any kind of infrastructure, you're still gonna see internal right. combustion engines. Well, and we also don't haven't talked much about maybe the trade off of 
how are these countries going to dispose of lithium batteries also? Right, exactly. That's, I mean, yeah. that's always a worry is the yeah. byproduct well, of this. Well, right. Well, that's got to be a closed loop. You know, that's there has to be a recycling yeah. uh, program in place for those because that is a valuable resource that can be reused. There's no no reason why that should be thrown right. away. Well, we can barely recycle plastic right now, <laughs> let yeah. alone lithium. Well, that's a problem too. It really is. <laughs> But, you know, I, th I think at some stage people are going to have to actually get on board with the fact that this is a a global problem with yeah. a global solution. And I think, yeah. we, you know, we're really going to have to start working together and figuring this out. And countries that are a lot more privileged in terms of their resources and their infrastructure are really going to have to help out those that aren't. Um, and we yep. all kind of work together for the for the good of the future. Yep. But um, but I think it's a good time. We're talking about new stuff. You want to talk about Triumphs, John? Yeah. Mm, so what about tri Triumphs? Triumph released some small bikes. Well, they did and they didn't. Right. Hmm. So when are, they're supposed to come out next year, I think, in Europe starting. Yes. Um, but the official release date was like three days ago. Yeah. They're interesting. So there's two... Um, Two 300s that they released. One is more of a standard. The other, No, they're 400s, aren't they? Oh, they're 400s. Sorry, I did yes. that earlier, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Speed 400 and the Speed 400X. So we were looking at them. You know, they're single cylinders, which I think is, you know, I was looking at the, uh, uh, well, because of Cleveland Motor was talking about it, I was looking at the QJ, the V-Twin that they have, which is kind of a cool little bike versus a single on a Triumph. I, I you know... We go back into the question, do you want to buy a Triumph or you don't want to buy a, a Chinese bike? But I would have loved to have seen a, a smaller twin on that bike. As would I. And, I mean, Triumph's got some history here. Because if if we went back in our time machine to 1959, Triumph were busy either making or building engines that were called the unit twins and the unit twins were a big revelation because the engine and transmission were no longer separated they were contained within one casing the unit twins and the first was the triumph t21 why was it called the t21 21 cubic inches 350 cc glorious little thing just a gorgeous little bike and it was a 350 twin-cylinder bike. This is part of Triumph's history. So it would have been nice, I feel, to have a... I mean, I'm, I'm really kind of stretching it right now because Triumph have also made single-cylinder bikes, especially for dirty bike use. Right, right. And it might have been nice for the Speed 400 to be a nice little twin. Well, I know they're and, coming out with the dirt bikes. And then the 400X... To be a single. I wonder if it's the same motor they're going to put in some of the dirt bikes in. It might be. It could be, yeah. Yeah, it could be. But anyway, these are, the, when I say that, I mean, when is a Triumph not a Triumph? When it's a Bajaj. Exactly. So <laughs> these are made by Bajaj. And I think, so tell us about Bajaj as a manufacturer bagel. Because, I mean, out of everyone here, you're far more used to who they are and what they're all about, Johnny. That's big. Yeah. Well, they they are a uh, a long time uh, large scale manufacturer in India, uh, one of the biggest Indian manufacturers, I believe, um, and they've they've made all kinds of vehicles for years and years. Although scooters have been kind of their their bread and butter for for a lot of that, um, 
they've they've gotten out of the scooter business and gotten back in uh but they do a lot of manufacturing of motorcycles uh both of their own uh their own brands as well as i believe that they do make uh do subcontracting for other brands as well and i mean so, what are your thoughts on quality control um quality control it's for especially for for india it's very good um for the western world i'd say it's it's um it's it's yeah let's say it's acceptable um it's as far as indian manufacturers go from what i've seen bajaj has had the highest quality out of pretty much everything i can i can think of so a surpassing royal enfield perhaps uh yeah i would say they're well, probably better quality than royal enfield. i mean yeah. I, I can't speak for royal, royal enfield today i don't know much about them i have heard that they've gotten better so oh they have gotten up so let's we'll talk but, briefly but the, well, yeah. in feet of, of earlier years, perhaps. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, my friend Mike um, has a Royal Enfield Meteor 350. Mm-hmm. Meteor than the opposition. And I'm always tickled about how well that bike is made. Right. I mean, it's got hokey things on it. Um, is that a newer one or an older one? No, it's a newer one. Yeah, they're not bad looking at all. No, it's great. The paintwork's great. Mm-hmm. Um, although it did take a bit of polishing, as Mike pointed out. I mean, it's shiny, but you run your fingers over it and it's a bit sandpapery. Mm. Well, we got the old buffer and, you know, got it. So it felt a lot more tangible. Um, my only real grumble about the bike, and it's a grumble about a lot of modern bikes, the plating on the nuts and bolts and all sundry brackets is absolutely a Hauling. I mean, you God. It I don't know how much how much extra it would have cost to put decent plating on nuts and bolts, but the Enfield's got everything's this sort of black oxide coating. And of course it all goes white and fluffy. <laughs> you know, the first mm. time it sees salty air. Mm. And it really Jeez. spoils a bike because the the, yeah. the paintwork's beautiful, you know, the casting of the engine's beautiful, you know, the wheels are beautiful. And then you see a bolt that used to be, it's a peculiar color. It's almost like a greenish black. Hmm. And then it gets all this white crust on it. Um, But that's actually not necessarily an Enfield problem. That's kind of like a problem amongst a lot of manufacturers. You know, my Harley have been gradually throwing away as many of their can of this shitty Harley Davidson bolts (laughs) and replacing them with stainless steel. Because, again, you know, it's a mighty pretty bike with mighty ugly fasteners holding it together. How's the metallurgy in general, though, on those? Not bad. I mean, nothing broke yet. I think the only failure we had on it was um, the flashy unit decided to say, I've had enough. Hmm. Um, And so it went bye-bye, and I broke it open to have a look, and it was was actually a nice little solid-state thing. It wasn't like a bimetallic strip or anything terrible. But it was kind of smelly in there, and something had gone black. <laughs> let the smoke out. Yeah, let the smoke out. So <laughs> I replaced it with a good old Napa bimetallic strip, which I think I paid five ninety nine for, you go. and it's working perfectly. And that I think that's been the only failure. And he's done probably what four thousand miles on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we're very careful with that bike because this is his California bike. He lives in Montana, so. Um, we service it diligently. We put good oil in it and so on and so on. But we're diverging. So we're talking about these triumphs. So I was looking at them. So let's let's assume 
it's right. it's Royal Enfield standards. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think Triumph would take anything less if it's got the Triumph. It is Bajaj, right? You said that? Yeah, no, it's Bajaj. Who are also doing Harley. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. not for human consumption. No, just just for trainee consumption. <laughs> well, not in the rest of the world, though. They're selling there. Well, are they? Yeah, they'll oh, sell yeah. Them. they're just not selling in the U.S. Okay, <clears throat> sorry, folks. Yeah. Harley does build stuff in India. <laughs> well, you know, Micah was talking about them, and she said it's the world's most unstallable bike. She says you can just let the clutch out at idle, and that's great. Bop, 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 yeah. Off it goes. Um, <laughs> so, if we presume these things are. Somewhat quality. Somewhat quality. They don't look bad. No, they look great. Well, like a lot of smaller bikes, the proportions are a bit gore-blimey. Um, it lo- I mean, it looks like a small bike trying to be a big bike, but it ain't bad. Um, I've never been a huge fan of the, the, the distance between the top of the rear tire and the bottom of the rear fender being big enough to fly a hawker hunter through yeah, on the scrambler one though that looks fine. well yeah the scrambler one is fine because it's a scrambler but the street one kind of looks like it's been kicked up the ass a bit but paintwork looks good pretty colors it's got nice big gold forks on i think for somebody and the marketing director of triumph i think summed it up he said we're making these bikes for people to give people of a certain income level the opportunity to buy a new Triumph. Yeah, great. Do that. And I think if we if we think about it in those terms, I think it's just fantastic. And there's just this general size and shape of motorcycle is so approachable, not just from the financial standpoint, but from being able to stand over, from moving it in and out of the shed wherever you have to park it. They're right. just it's a great size. Right, exactly. And the retailer believes like six and a half grand. So they I mean they're up there. Triumph is always and I was talking to you about this, right. John. Triumph occupies a weird place in price because they are a little more expensive than their Japanese counterparts, but they're generally cheaper than other European bikes. So they kind of they occupy their own spot, um, and you know they they right. they give good value for money. So I love, I love mine. Yeah, I know you love that. Yeah, the that, tiger. That tiger's a good bike. You know the specs on this four hundreds. Yeah, read not, this. They're not bad. Read no. those specs. Yeah, thirty John forty horsepower. Well, that's plenty. That's not bad for a little bike. Yes, uh, it's fair amount of torque. Twenty twenty eight foot pounds of torque. Okay. 17-inch wheels, interesting. Well, look, I yeah. mean, that's that's the way things are going. Right. Uh, Upside-down forks, great. and, and low Unless height. you ride it in Australia, and, and then, then the right forks are the right, correct way up. Yeah, that's great. Yes. And the water goes down a different <laughs> And way. the Scrambler has a 19-inch front. Yes. yes. So, and the uh, at least for the, for the speed one, it's a 31-inch seat height, which is not bad. Yeah. So, I mean... Uh, service intervals, intervals 10,000 miles. That's kind of... Now, you see, and that's Holy a big hell. deal. Well, no, try it. A lot of manufacturers have been going to that now. And do you know how you can do that, Scotty? How can you do that? Synthetic oil. Yeah. That's the major breakthrough. That is the major breakthrough in all of these because... And even 10,000 miles, and I let you are pushing the envelope a bit. Toyota are notorious for this. Yeah. Because they will say, oh, the oil change interval on our truck is 15,000 miles. I'm like, there isn't an oil in the world that can stay no. in, in, in spec for 15,000 miles. I still do mine miles. at five on my Toyota. Yeah, but they are really pushing it. And the same with these. You know, 
I think if you're smart about it, I know Motul 300V is good for at least 6,000 miles. I think that's where I'd be comfortable with changing the oil. Because, I mean, if you are changing it at 10, you're on the ragged edge. You really are. So if I'm using this Motul synthetic oil yes. in my Honda XR650L, yes. and I'm changing it every 2,000 miles. Oh, you don't need to. Well, it comes out black as sin. Are you using the 300V? I don't remember. No, they you can't just... It goes in red, it comes out black. No, it's, it's not 300V. Oh, okay. 300V is green. Mm. You're using 3100. Okay. And that is, that's about 3,000 mile oil. So you're, 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 you know, but it varies from engine to engine, and some engines are harder on their oil than others. Singles are notoriously hard on their oil. Which is Be- why this, your long in a service interval on this single is surprising. Right. So, well, I guess it's, I bet it's going to be very, very short stroke. And the numbers tell the story because it's high horsepower, low torque. Yes. So it's going to be okay. short. You've got the boring stroke. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Um, but it's very, very short stroke. Doesn't give me the boring stroke. Well, that's <clears throat> boring and stroking. It is. <laughs> it has some interesting stuff, though. Uh, Six-speed six gearbox, which is great for a smaller nice. bike. Yes. Ride-by-wire throttle. A Triumph Hallmark, and not one I'm happy about either. <laughs> it's got a decent-sized disc, 300-millimeter disc in front. Yes. So not a bad, I mean, and and traction control on a smaller bike. Am I so. reading this right? It's got a slipper clutch, too. A lot of bikes have slipper clutches oh, these days. I don't lovely. think you probably need it on that. I mean, a slipper clutch almost is... A, is oh, sorry. 89 and 64 born stroke. There you are. Okay. Yeah. 89 bore, six. That is over square. Good Lord, that's a short stroke engine. <laughs> yeah. No oh. wonder. Yeah, that's why it revs higher too so that's how they can do it your bike has got a very long stroke and what the greediest part of your engine is the camshaft the greediest Mm, part mm, okay the camshaft is supplied by the oil pump which is absolutely in the bowels of the engine that's why singles are so hard on oil the oil has to travel a very very long way but for this this triumph to have a long service center that's another great thing that makes it more approachable for yeah, a lot right. of people yeah. i don't like no, it makes oil all the yeah, time no yeah. it makes it it's definitely a a great start and i think so it, would you go 500 rebel or this oh no this far more special than a rebel oh, it's oh much, of course it is yeah and I, this, and this is up there with like uh, same target audience, I would imagine, as a uh, uh, pillin or fart pillin. That's that's a good comparison. You're right. And I think you yeah. will find that once again, Triumph occupies this peculiar position where it's a lot cheaper than a fart pillin and more expensive than a Rebel, which is where Triumphs kind of are. Lo- a lovely market position. Yeah. Um, no, it's far more special. I've said the same about the. Uh, um, Meteor mm-hmm. is far more special than Rebel. And don't think for a minute I am I trashing. Know. No, don't think for a minute I'm I trashing the Rebel because the Rebel's a great little bike. Resale value, though, is going to get beat up on the on the. Uh, oh, of the course you are. No, but not I know. On the Rebel. But it's, it, it's not just about, it's kind of special. There's something special One about it. One of the it. really fun things about having a bike like that rebel though is that there's such a huge range of aftermarket accessories and farkles and things that you can put on it and that's that's part of the fun yeah yeah yes no that's true well i'm one of the weird ones that likes the new styling too the on the rebels the with the 
the way it's sort of a little more angled on the uh, mm-hmm. with the gas tank and the frame. You haven't ridden one yet, have you? I haven't ridden one, no, but I like the way it You're looks. kind of folded in half yeah. a little bit because your feet are forward and your hands are forward. Right. So you, you kind of, you're kind of folded in half. They're not bad, though. Mm. Um, exactly the same frame as the 500. So it's yeah. a very clever bike because it kind of fits all people. Um and they do look good on the street. You know, it's got a nice profile. Right. It's a good-looking bike. And the last thing I'd want anyone to think is, oh, Emma's Trenching the Rebel. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. But I like quirky stuff. Yeah. And those Triumphs are quirky. I like the Scrambler. I, could, yeah, I yeah. could see that. That would be a fun bike to run around and maybe take off on gravel roads and such. Yeah. Yeah, they're attractive-looking, for sure. Well, there you go. And are they? I mean, they've released them, but... There's no word of whether they'll come to America yet or not. Yeah, I haven't heard. You know, and I'm still smarting from, God, it's getting on for seven or eight years ago now. Kawasaki was selling every single Versus 650 that they made. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mean Kawasaki US? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, sales were off, off the chart. Everyone was saying, well, why didn't you make a Versus, you know, a smaller Versus? It came out with a Versus 300. Right. Nobody bought them. Yeah. Nobody. At one stage, the dealership I worked for had four in stock. Mm. Not selling. Good-looking bike. Nothing wrong with that bike at all. Nice color schemes, full-size bike, good-looking bike. All the things going for it didn't sell. Well, 650 is a really nice sweet spot for a lot of uses in our area. Yeah. So where's that going to leave the Triumph, though? You it's know, it's, it's I, I sincerely hope it's not going to be one of those things where, God, that's a great-looking little bike, and the price is reasonable, and, and, and. And why isn't anybody buying it? It's too bad it's not. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, tra-la-la. So, Emma, you know what? You need you need what? to tell your folks that are coming to Europe with you. You don't want to come to Europe all hairy and gross. So <laughs> no. What's very important, and we're going to encourage everyone that's going, actually, anywhere on a motorcycle. Is this a word from our sponsor? It is. Cha-ching! It is. So, you know, what everybody really needs to do, especially before they go to Emma's trip, because you really don't want to be gross in Europe. Shave your balls! Where you're, you're representing the U.S., most of you. Shave your shave your little nads up and make sure they're they're nice and smooth. My God! So. <laughs> How did we come to this? So, you oh know, no! So what I'm going to encourage everyone to do is to go to Manscape.com and put in uh, Misfits twenty, and you will get. A great deal on the Manscaped package. And what you get in this package for your boys is the performance package. It's It has the the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, so you can trim it up there really good. It's the best, perhaps the best groomer ever. It's got ceramic blades. It's waterproof. It's got this massive spotlight. It's like having a headlight on your on your trimmer, so you get in there and get in on little nook, nooks and crannies. And uh, and that's But it goes beyond that. Then they got the weed whacker. So come on, guys. I know you're getting older like I am, and hair comes out of weird spaces. Now, don't don't grab your razor and hack a piece off your ear. Go ahead and get this uh, get this package and get the weird whacker and get in there and take care of those ears and your nose and wherever else you see those little hair coming up. And then they'll also give you a crop preserver, ball deodorant. Emma, nobody likes stinky balls on motorcycle trips, do they? No, nobody likes that. I mean, stinky balls are no fun. So 
go, you know, so you get the ball deodorant, the cro- and and toner for your balls too. So lots of great things for your man parts, and it really makes it a a, a special ride. You'll feel clean, you'll feel airy, you'll feel smoother, you'll be aerodynamic and it's airy. Amazing. You'll feel airy. You'll feel airy. So got free gifts in there. You get a. <laughs> You'll get some boxers, you'll get a, a towel, you'll get a special little uh, shaving case thing. You got all this thing. You want to go get this. So it's perfect for a motorcycle trip. So slide on over to manscaped.com and you'll get 20% off and free shipping with the code MISFITS20. That's uh, 20% off free shipping, manscaped.com for MISFITS20. Hey, guys, get out there and make it happen. Your lady will thank you. Uh, your Emma, thank you. Your riding partners will thank you. Your man parts will thank you. Nicely Thank done. You. And, you know, joking aside, we love our sponsors. We do. Because, like with our Patreon subscribe, subscribers, help keep the lights on around these exactly. parts. And, um, yeah. And the more you buy with our code, the better it is for us. So, go and make it happen, Captain. Yeah, there you go. Um, Scotty, I want to talk to you about your ride report. Because you, you have had... Something of an epic adventure, yeah, involving tales of daring do. Well, I like to just ride in circles. <laughs> well, nothing wrong with that. So, I mean, with life is a is a ever decreasing circle of disappointment. Circle. Oh, we we got to go for more motorcycle rides. Yeah, There's so stuff uh, out there. Where'd you where'd you go? Well, it's a little hard to uh, explain exactly what this thing was. Anybody who's uh, familiar with the backcountry discovery routes. Well, well, these BDR uh, events or uh, trips will be sort of vaguely familiar with this idea of traversing a state or traversing a... So let's explain the BDR area. for folks that yeah. don't know. So the BDRs are... There's a- uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the BDRs are a system or a network of routes designed to to really get your, your adventure on and really mm-hmm. get outside... And they're really well done that they've linked together all of these dirt roads and trails and pathways um, that kind of crisscross uh, North America. Right. It's it's a big network. Yeah. Um, but they're broken down into states. So there's like a BDR for Nevada and a BDR for Oregon and one for Idaho. Right. Um, you pretty much go border the border now, right? Yeah, they're kind of set up that way. Right. It's, of course, optional. You know, it's your trip. Do what you want with it. But the the routes are broken out by uh, crisscrossing at one given state, mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. So um, so I went and rode the Nevada backcountry discovery route. Yeah, and I've always heard that that's pretty gnarly, especially some of the desert areas. Yeah, it, it, <clears throat> it definitely can be. You know, the desert, the, the Mojave Desert and the deserts of the great American West can be fairly harsh. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're famous for that in many ways. Um, but these routes are all really designed for large ADV touring sort of bikes. So you were riding what? I was riding my Honda XR 650L, which is really just kind of a big dirt bike. Yeah. And you're hardcore. I mean, you, you rode it to the start, right? I did. Yeah. From so Santa Cruz. I rode from here in Santa Cruz down to Southern California to visit some family, um, and I was there for a while and then I rode from there out and I, I made myself a little route out through the desert and trying to, to, you know, start, I want to start early and, yeah. uh, I routed myself onto some dirt roads all the way out through the desert into Arizona. So this BDR route of Nevada, um, uh, actually starts at the end of the Arizona route in, mm-hmm. in Oatman, 
this little, little okay. cowboy kind of western town with donkeys running around on the road. That's great. Yeah, it's cool. So tell us about a little more. So you were you had full pack camping well, gear and everything. Yeah, right? yeah. So I was camping, um, and it's it's hard to say exactly how many days I was gone because I kind of broke it up into these these segments, right, from here to something. It was California. like two weeks, right? You're texting us through all that. It was about five days. Yeah. Not too, yeah, but yeah. So when you break it all out with with visiting family and things, it, it took a while. But yeah, I was camping the whole time. Had a, had all my camping gear with me, but it, I I travel light. Um, I, I come into a lot of this from, uh, bicycle touring right. and backpacking backgrounds. So my, my, uh, my kit for spending the night sleeping, cooking, being comfortable in the wilderness right. is, is pretty minimal, pretty mm-hmm. dialed. Um, so I've got a couple of small, uh, Tusk saddlebag kind of things is about 15, 10 liters on small, each side. It is small. Mm-hmm. And then one small dry bag just on top of, a. On mm. top of the rear, the rack on the back. Were you hammock, Much like a hammocking top. or tent camping? I was bivy sacking. Okay. I'm, I'm a bivy sack person. Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, for those who don't know, um, it's like a, uh, a waterproof sleeping bag cover. Um, mine has a little, little tiny hoop that goes over my head and uh, I can zip that up and has some bug mesh so I don't get too many creepy crawlies in the nighttime. But it's very minimal and I like that I can just kind of roll in, throw it down and I'm done. How was the weather? Oh, it was gorgeous. Huh. I really couldn't have locked out any further. Um, but with a trip of, uh, of this magnitude of any, any kind of trip like that, um, you're out for a long time and you're, you're, I was moving through so many different environments that it it can be hard to pack for that. Right. So yeah, I was real sweaty in the Southern end and I was pretty chilly in the Northern end and that's kind of how it goes. So it starts in the high desert in Nevada. Uh, yep. And then goes up from there. Yeah. Start, starts in Oatman, Arizona, then goes out through, sort of the western bit of Nevada, kind right. of past uh, Pahrump, up right. that direction. Yep. And then just hangs it north and heads all the way up to Idaho. So it's basically, because there's a mountainous region in the center of Nevada, right? Yes. So it's up through that, sort of that area? <clears throat> I'm Nevada's a big state. Yeah, it really it's, is. It's huge. Yeah. Um, it's bigger than many countries. Um, and <laughs> the... It truly is. Uh, And a lot of it is public land. Right. um, Which makes uh, traveling through that area pretty special because so many of these roads, so many of these trails are open and available to us. They're just there waiting for somebody to come along. It's just kind of a road sitting there in the desert. So were you baking at 115 some of this time or what? Uh, I was sweating for sure. Yeah, I was pretty sweaty in the southern parts. Yeah. but uh, I wore my normal motorcycle jacket and full face. I wore a, a sport bike style road helmet mm-hmm. with the face shield and uh, some pants that have a zip out rain liner. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty meshy when you don't have that in. But yeah, you know, it's you know, we sweat and we're we're mammals. <laughs> and what about temperature at night? Does it drop considerably? Oh, it was so lovely. It didn't get much of like nights were in the forties. It was perfect. Okay. It was That's perfect. Great. perfect. Yeah, so, yeah, weather. I was going to say, nice to be kind of curled up in your sleeping bag. and Yeah. Yeah. Comfy to roll up into my little nylon bivy sack and sack out. So, how long were you away for? Uh, six days. Six days? Yeah. And so, if anybody is planning this kind of adventure, what is the minimum you need to pack for six days? In terms of water, knickers, 
um, you know, food, if any. Personal hygiene is just that. It's personal. Right. <laughs> um, but, That's why you uh, need Manscaped. Yeah. Sponsors aside, of course. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the minimum that one needs to pack, it really depends on how you want to build this trip. The BDR routes are, are created and designed in a way that you could... You could do this whole thing without camping. So you could hotel it every you night if you wanted. You could totally motel it every night. You could have a great Oh, really? Time. So, I mean, because I, as a, as a complete novice about BDR, I always got the impression that you're going away from civilization. Well, that's my favorite part about it. Right. But, uh, it's, but no, it's it's close by if you need it to be. Well, we, uh, we need to put gasoline in the tank. Yes. So yeah. about every... 150, 200 miles, you'll, you'll run into a town? You'll run into a, uh, some sort of a gas supply every 200 miles or so, yeah. which is about as far as I can potentially make it. And you're carrying extra with you also, right? I do. I carry extra an extra little Rotopax one-gallon yeah. canister. So it kicks you out by up by Idaho, so you had to come all the way back down to 80 to back here, to come back here? Yeah, no. Actually, uh, I had loaned my van to a friend who was dri- driving and moving their life from here in Santa Cruz to beautiful Eugene, Oregon. Mm. Up by you, oh, wow. uh, and they had driven and just left it there. So, oh, so instead of coming home, I I rode to Eugene and threw my motorcycle in the van and drove home. Oh, so you kicked over to Eugene. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Oh, how many miles was it? How many miles did you ride? It's like, well, it's kind of like broken up, and I did an oil change at my in-laws partway yeah. through, and yeah, yeah. But I mean, nevertheless, it was an epic adventure. Oh, so and big out there. It was an epic adventure cool. on basically a forty-year-old bike. 30, I think. 30 I think it just, uh, yeah, the yeah. XR650L just celebrated its 30th birthday of continuous and how did availability. That, how did that treat you? That's great. It's you know, a tractor. It, it does great. Now, I wouldn't say it's a fantastic highway touring right. motorcycle because it's real happy at like 63 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that can be pretty annoying if you're on a long highway section. Everybody's passing you, including the rigs and everything. Yeah, Highway 5 must have been a trip. It's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But for overall, to do a big trip like that where I'm going to ride a bunch of highway and then a bunch of epic dirt roads where right. I want to go 50 miles an hour on a rad dirt road and see herds of wild horses and then go into another state and have to go huge distances between gas stations and yeah, there's some highway and it's not great at that. And there's really tight trail and it's a little bit big and heavy for that, but as an overall kind of, you know, dual sport, if you want to call it that, it's pretty hard to beat for me. So tell us what were the high points of the trip? What were the low points? What were some of those like, Oh crap moments you had? Um, well, (laughs) yeah, the low points always stick out in my mind. So, um, I don't know if we really mentioned it, but I I have a real struggle trying to align my schedule and these big trips that I want to do right. with anybody else's schedule. I, I was it's, so I so wanted to go with you. It's so hard to get um my own ambitions, somebody else's ambitions right. and our calendars and family schedules to line up. So I ended up doing this trip alone. Um but that leads me to some of those some of those low points are extra low. Yeah. You know, like um, at one point out in the Toyabe National Forest, which is just gorgeous and these huge, huge lands and mountains and gorgeous valleys. Um, but there was one pass that had some signs up like, hey, uh, pass closed, uh, washout. Oh. So 
but it was just like a sign. It wasn't really closed. Right. So of course I'm going to ride up and see just how closed it really is. Um, then you get partway up and there's some water and puddles in the road and go a little further and those puddles are, you know, not, not too deep, but they're real murky. So you can't see mm. what you're sliding around on. And, uh, at one point I slid out in one of those muddy puddles and got my foot stuck oh. underneath the motorcycle Ouch. in the mud. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, so, you know, waterproof boots are only waterproof until you're lying down sideways in the mud. Yeah. So then, you know, your shoe's all wet and you got to dig your foot out from the underneath the motorbike and then mm-hmm. it's sliding around. You're trying to pick it up and that's frustrating as all hell. And <laughs> you're on a road that's closed. So, you know, nobody's coming by anytime right. soon. So that's pretty low because, you know, it's just frustrating. And but annoying. no major like high sides, low sides. No major get offs. Lots of, you know, it's a dirt bike right. and I've got it loaded down with a bunch of camping gear and I'm tired for long days. Um, so if you're coming around the corner on a fun little two track and all of a sudden it's just a giant sand pit and yep. you're like, whoa, uh, yeah, you can, you can slide out there, but that kind of thing happens, but nothing, no major crashes. I did mm-hmm. get one really gnarly gash in a tire. Um, oh yeah. We talked about that. Cause you did, you did a couple of tube changes <laughs> yes in the field yes utilizing skills you learned here at the garage skills i learned only here at the recycle garage yeah um at some point near Beatty, nevada there was a real probably one of the the more gnarly bits of the trail right uh it was a like just straight up a wash and it wasn't a sand wash. It was like a rock wash. And it was fairly steep up. Mm-hmm. And just as after I topped out there, I realized that, like, I put my foot down just to rest for a second. And the ground was really close. Like, my saddle was lower. Yeah. So, I was like, that's weird. <laughs> and I realized it was because I had no air in the rear tire. And air wasn't going to stay in the rear tire because it had gotten a big cut right right between two of the knobs. Big, big old, mm-hmm. about inch and a half, two inch long you weren't carrying a spare tire with you, obviously, right? No. I had a spare front inner tube. Right. No rear inner tube, just yep. a front. Because they kind of fits. Yeah. Um, so what'd you do? Uh, I loaded up the inside of the tire with a bunch of food wrappers and duct tape. Mm. And I put my front inner tube in. Yeah. Um, and kind of and I got down to cell service in, in Beatty and then called around so I find out where I could get a tire. And the closest one was in Las Vegas. Ooh. Which is... Was that backtrack or... It was kind of backtrack. I hadn't been there. I wasn't planning to go to Las Vegas on this trip. Um, But yeah, it was south of me and I was northbound. Uh, So that was about a two and a half hour ride to get there. I got there right before they closed. Wow. Thank you, Carter Power Sports of Las Vegas. Really helped me out. Yeah. Um, And I changed the tire again there in the parking lot. Yeah. and, you know, the sales folks were, like, walking past, like, yeah, I've done that before. Hey, how you doing? You need anything? Whatever. And they were all really helpful, so thank you. Um, what lube then, did he use to get the tire on? Soapy water. There I, you go. Yep. That's all you need. Yeah, I got some uh, hand soap from the washroom and filled up a water bottle and made it happen in the parking lot there. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and then hightailed it back up to where, right where I had left the uh, the trail. So you filled the tires up with what, CO2, or do you have a pump with you? I had a little, uh, it plugs into the SAE connector, a little, okay. it's made by the battery company. Uh, I forget. Battery tender, maybe? No. Mm, 
made by the lithium battery company. Anyhow, okay. it's yeah. a little little uh, electric pump. <laughs> yep, that's what it sounds yep. like. Yeah, <laughs> and then that's really great. Oh, yep. yes, 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 yes. So a couple of tire changes uh, based on skills that I'd gotten here at the garage. Yeah, fantastic. What do you think cut the tire? A sharp piece of flint or something? I couldn't guess. It was either some real sharp piece of rock. But there was also some like mining debris nearby. Oh, God, mm. I bet it was so a, yeah. It could have been some piece of metal. I don't really know. But, you know, yeah, it, it, things happen. Well, thank God it didn't really shred it so you couldn't ride it. It was, it was, it, it wasn't, um, it was bulbous and bulging yeah. out, but I kind of put a few layers of duct tape and a cliff bar wrapper on the ins- <laughs> on the inside of the tire. Yeah. Um, and that sort of held it together. And you wow. have a GPS spot, like a spot or a... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I had my, my uh, spot tracking beacon, which is fun for my, my parents and my, my wife like to follow along on the sure. internet and see where the spot appears next. So if something had really gone wrong, uh, I could have pushed that. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, that's okay. So what's next? Um, a nap. <laughs> no, but you know those those load times are are pretty low, right? Because yeah. you're uh, you're alone, right? And but the high spots, the the heights of riding over a ridge and seeing a herd of antelope, mm-hmm. seeing uh, wild horses galloping across mm. the plains, that's pretty magical. Um, but then probably. Probably the best part, a piece that's going to stick in my mind for a long time, is uh, Oregon 140 uh, westbound across. There's an antelope refuge. Oh wow! Come, oh come, wow! Coming across there, uh, and the sun was setting, and there was some some thunder showers. I was kind of dodging those, and you get rained on a little bit, and then it'd clear up, and you go over and over these just epic sort of grasslands. And watching the sunset, that's one of those religious experiences yeah, that right. will stick with me for a long time. But there was nobody there to share it with. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, and I mean, ways. it's different strokes wow. for different folks. I, I always like traveling with somebody for that reason, because you share these epic moments together. But a lot of people just like being solitary out there and being alone with themselves. Yeah. So I guess I fall in both camps. Yeah. So, um, oh, we have a mystery guest. How are you feeling? Oh, look who's here. Hello. <laughs> hey, hey, it's Liza. Back from... You. Oh, oh. She's here with a toy motorcycle. No, she bought noises. a toy motorcycle. Can I join you? Yeah. Adventure <laughs> Force Nitro Circus Dirt Bike in 1.6 scale. And... Cool. Oh, yeah. and the exhaust lights up red. Oh, makes make crap <laughs> noises and oh no! It's, it's what a fantastic machine! It Pretty really cool. is. Yeah, have a have a look at that and pass it round. You like that? I love it. So welcome back. Thank you. I actually have a tragic story to tell. Oh no! It's, oh, I'm pretty upset about this. Oh. So as you know, I've been I've been off in a canyon with no phone reception. Well, looking what? around this room. Well, no, see, hang on, hang on. What were you doing, Liza? What were you doing, sweetie? Playing with babies and old people. Right. So it was a family reunion. Yes. Yes. So, you know, looking around this room. Yes. You can see many, many toy motorcycles. But do you know what the absolute holy grail 
like the holy grail of toy motorcycles is because I've been trying to get one for years. Tell me, dude. Oh, a Britain? The Britain, yeah. yes. Yeah. Like 15 years ago or something, they made a limited edition batch of these. Yes, yep. yeah. And they were made Britain by V1000 yeah, yeah, yeah. model toys. And I have had an eBay alert for years oh, to no. tell me when one will come up. You missed one, didn't you? One came up and sold while I was out of phone reception oh, no. for oh. half of what I was willing to oh, pay. Oh, no. Oh. I don't know how long it's going to take for another to come up. One I was beside myself. I'm trying to tell all these people at my reunion why I was so upset, and they had they couldn't understand. <laughs> Clueless. But you can, don't understand. I, it's a can, Britain. <laughs> can I make a suggestion? Yeah. If, if you write to the seller, ask ask them to, to pass along your information to the buyer and, and let them know that you have a, a business proposal. <laughs> That's true. That's good. Because yeah. they, that they might be interested in making a quick buck. You never know. Mm. Meanwhile, it is very, very... So, no, I'm looking at the features of this, this Nitro Circus bike. This is far better than a Britannizer because it has working <laughs> rear suspension. Yeah. Working flip flip levers, mm-hmm. LED light up exhaust. Are you ready for this, John? Yeah, this ready. is the best part. Smoke effect vapor exhaust. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Led by Travis Pastrana, Nitro Circus is a group of thrill seeking daredevils who have all have the hunger for pushing the limits, and they certainly have fun doing it. Now with the new. Dirt bike and rider. Yours is missing the rider, sweetie. You too can take the home. Do you have the rider? No. Okay. You you too can take the fun home with you. To find out more about Nitro Circus, including Luke, new clips, behind the scenes exclusives, and more, go to www.nitrocircus.com. So I think this is probably an officially sanctioned toy. And I'd just like to point out that I am a gray-haired woman in my 50s who has been carrying this toy around me through airports and <laughs> keeping it hidden from children at the reunion. Yes, I'm very proud of it. Very this thing's cool. cool. No, it's, it's extremely cool. And, you know, Travis Pastrami, if he moved to Velveeta, that'd be something, <laughs> wouldn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to have a look, Scotty? Uh, it's, sure. It's jolly nice. Yes, don't toss it, please. Um, so at least I did come back with one new toy. No, I'm absolutely thrilled you made it back in time. And and Liza did forewarn us that you said, well, I probably won't make it for the podcast, but I'll make it for the editing. And uh, yeah, it's good noise, isn't yep. it? Makes, makes a noise. And, and I want to say big thanks uh, to you for running the garage. I had my security cams, cameras on, so I saw you opening up the garage coming on in well actually jim beat me to it yeah but you were the first one to walk through the doors of the garage yeah yeah yes i know i was watching you i know (laughs) i know um and no we had a very very interesting day we we had a lovely day today um and you missed some very very uh nice people come by and visit um, but with the last thing we were talking about, really, before you came came through the door, aside from Scotty's epic road trip, were the new Triumphs. Have you seen them yet? Are we talking dirt bikes? No, no. the Speed 
400 and the Speed oh, 400 right, right, right. X. Scrambler 400 X. Yes, yes. I yeah, have seen the pictures. Very nice looking. Uh, they're not coming things. to the US though, are they? Well, no. I mean, they're definitely yeah. not saying no, but they're not saying this, yes either. Is this Indian? These are Indian. Yeah, Bajaj. Bajaj yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's not made for this market. Yeah. They're Euro 5 compliant, though. They might, they might be able to make it. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to see some when I'm in England. Oh, yeah. Maybe. When are you off to England land? After you are off to Italy and Germany land. Yes. And Austria land. Oh, you're going there too? Yeah. Well, then I'm also going to Wales and Isle of Man. Oh, look you. Mm. And then Scotland, of course. No. No, Scott, just England and Wales. No, Cat oh, no. said if we're going to Scotland, we have to go to Scotland. And I'm like, can't we just go in and out real quick? No. No, he, no. <laughs> he doesn't play like that. No, he's, he's, he's rather Celtic, his cat. So he'd want to go up to the Highlands and yeah. put on a kilt and wang his willy at the locals and all sort of <laughs> things. Like yeah. yeah. Well, no, we already talked about the manscaping yes. thing. Um so, yeah, uh, so this is my very last podcast before the Alpine Adventure. Crazy. So um, I'm so looking forward to it, and I'll, I'll see everybody at the end of the month. And um, so I'm going to be away for three weeks, Liza. Are you going to be able to cope, darling? Who's going to be running the garage while everyone is away? Me. Are you not going to Vintage Days? Yeah, but that's end of July. Yeah, I suppose. When are you back? I'm we, back. we probably should have coordinated. This is quite a good time <laughs> to talk about this. Here. I'm not back until Monday the 24th. Oh, I don't think right. I'm leaving. Till, well, that's... We're leaving until the 29th. Really? Or some, yes. well, it's uh, late this year. Then. It's late this year. It always used to be the 4th of July weekend. Look, everyone. No, I'm wrong. Oh, no. It's no, the... no. We're leaving on the 19th. Right. Who's running the garage on the 23rd? Scotty. Mm. It's most of the cutty. <laughs> Nobody's getting into this. Ellie, Ellie of course, up. is leaving leaving Santa Cruz forever. What? She is? Yes. I Who didn't is? hear this. Yeah, she's yeah. going to go and live in Seattle. Oh. oh, wow. Well, this is when I call upon some oh. of our trusty faithfuls like Nock and Douglas and Charlie. I'll see what they're I think, is. you know, I think the newlyweds are perfect candidates for running the garage they may not be on the show but they are still around and still people i can depend on when we yeah need. doug will be here too right absolutely yeah do cool. we have any emails this week johnny yeah i sent them all to you johnny you did i did i sent them yesterday oh you log <laughs> somebody's not prepared oh well um so i had a okay here's a josh uh, okay, there's an email from Josh. Hello, Josh. Patreon listener. Hello. So he says, hi, Liza. Just listen to the most recent episode today and have to let you know that red Loctite can be disassembled without mm-hmm. heat. Mm-hmm. I tried to get the, the car on my sports during needed to remove the air cleaner backing plate. The breather bolts were on so tight, I had to get out a breaker bar and whack it with a rubber mallet. When it broke free, I found red Loctite had been put on both breather bolts by the previous owner. So, Yes. So and you excess know, force does work. Excess force does work, but remember, they're only quite yeah. small. But actually, that is sound practice because I tell you what, you do not want a crank, uh, an air filter breather bolt getting sucked into the intake and into your combustion chamber. How about that? Do we have anything? I, here's one for you to read. Yes. I'm handing it over. Oh, yeah, right. Let's have a look. This is quite. Oh, okay. This is from Benjamin. 
Hey, Benjamin. Yo, how's it hanging, Misfits gang? It's Gnagna, and I finally got a street bike. It's a V-Star that my grandma gave me. She's cool as hell. I just wanted to keep you updated. Let's have a look at this picture. Speak Wait, right, say Benjamin. Gnagnar, that's how you say that? Gnagnagna. No, it's Gnagnar. <laughs> It's Gnarly. It's Snarnar. Uh, it's Gnar-Gnar. Oh, my word. <laughs> I just want, I wanted to share that because I'm like, awesome grandma. So cool. So yeah. what, we, no, we, what really we have here, what we have here is a picture of Benjamin, who is a very, very handsome young man. And he looks about 12. I'm sure he's not, but he looks about 12. He doesn't need the shaving kit. You should no. be kind to our Patreon subscribers. No, he's great. <laughs> But look at that face. He's just cute as a button. On this awesome Yamaha 650. Yeah, but those carpet match drapes. Fantastic. <laughs> what a cool grandma. Yes. How many people can say they ended up with grandma's bike? It's true. Benjamin, That's you are awesome. cool as school, and grandma is a little bit cooler. Is that an unread email next <laughs> to you, Emma? I thought we had a couple from last week. I've got one here, too. Maybe. The, the one that's not folded. There you go. Gnar, gnar. Can I, can I? Okay. Okay, here we go. Oh, you, you've got one, Scotty. So I have two, and nobody wants to listen to me read two emails. Who wants the other one? There you go. There you go, Johnny. Um, I'm going to read the one from Charlie. This is from Charlie. Hello to all. Hello. Hello, Charlie. Just wanted to say thank you very much for sending me a free Motorcycles and Misfits T-shirt. It's brilliant. I love listening to your podcast and truly look forward to listening every week. Here's a photo of me wearing it from Monday when I'm at the top of Arran 4D Mountain in Wales. Me and my mum walked up and it was absolutely stunning, though extremely windy at the top. Well, indeed, it probably was. I hope you enjoy your UK trip and you get to see how beautiful Wales is. You know, Wales is just drop-dead gorgeous. Um, There are some amazing roads here that are brilliant on motorbikes thanks for the hard work you do putting the shows together and thanks again for the shirt oh love from charlie thank you charlie what a lovely email and charlie's absolutely right i mean wales is just drop dead gorgeous but i'll tell you something wales is pretty ireland's and i mean england's pretty as well but there's a reason would you like to know a reason why it's so green and Pretty. It's because it's it rains from. a lot. Because it bloody rains all the time. That's why. <laughs> you know? But yeah, gorgeous place. I told you my brother lives on the side of a Welsh mountain, don't I? You haven't told me that, no. No, hmm. my brother's got a little cottage on the side of Welsh mountain. That sounds he's glorious. always very fond of telling me that his house is older than America. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Yeah. Nice. I've, I've got one here from Aubrey. Hey, Aubrey. Aubrey. Aubrey Plaza. Hello, Aubrey from Athens, Ohio. Oh, that Aubrey. Hello, Misfits. Been listening to the podcast for years, but missed you at the Mid-Ohio AMA Vintage Days for the last year for two reasons. Oh. One, I had to run back to my camper by the unsanctioned, never-ending barrel races during the storm that nearly lifted everything away. (laughs) (laughs) And two, I was the only person there, there that year that had no wheels. I even passed on a nice 80s square headlight Honda four-stroke Enduro on Thursday. Oh, good bikes. Since I had no way of hauling at home. I'll ride it. 
only to watch the guy that was behind me snatch it up and ride joyous laps around me the rest of the weekend. Rotten bastard! <sighs> Jerk. Yeah, I hate uh, it when people do that. He was everywhere I went and probably got even money for it on Sunday. I need to have some wheels this year, but I'm not schooled on the on-off-road stuff, having spent some 30 years tearing around the street on a CB750, Fours, and Harley Davidson Evos, which I love. I want some- both good bikes. Yeah. I want something vintage, and I'm definitely a four-stroke mechanic stroke lover. I have since seen some nice XL Hondas around. Clearly, they have the goods, but I also found a couple decent 70s TL150s and 170 Trials bikes. I know the TL bikes are mild by trial standards and geared very low, but man, are they lovely and lean. The TLs are about a thousand less than a comparable XL from the 80s, and I could see myself doing some mild senior class trials on one, but I live near a decent trail system in southeast Ohio, and the XL would be something that could get me from home to trail and back again. For context, I pushed a 78 CB750K to 121 miles, one, miles per hour once, my rigid 86 Sportster is bored 1,200 cc's and runs a 6-inch over narrow glide front end, and I regularly drag the footboards of my 98 Road King <laughs> around the curves here in the best part of Ohio. I would love to hear the Misfits' opinions for on a bike for an old, wild-ass street rider like me to get some on-struck off-road action while keeping it classy. Hope to run into you at AMA this year, and I really love the info I've picked up from the podcast over the years, even if the worst evil Knievel crash I ever saw was when you all tried to jump the burning tire. <laughs> Ms. Emma's advice and top <laughs> tips are pure gold. The whole Recycle Garage concept is something I would love to promote in my part of the world. Keep up the good work, and I hope to see you around. Awesome. Thank you, Aubrey. Oh, that's a lovely email too. Cheers, uh, Aubrey. The simple answer is right. any old Honda. Straight up. Any well, old Honda. Yeah. You can yeah. get the parts. They're easy to work on. Bottom line, that's it. Well, I was Any old say Honda. Have fun. TW200 or XT250 for a dual, like a good entry-level dual sport bike. Yeah. Any old yeah. Honda. It's that simple. And, and, and fix it up. Yeah. Bagel, you got You'll one have there? have a great time on it. Uh, do I? <clears throat> Let's see. Okay, I'll read mine, and then you can look for it. I emailed you. Okay. So uh, this is from <clears throat> from Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey, guys. Love the show. Was listening, and I thought you folks asked for topics. I was wondering what you thought about e-bikes killing the scooter market. Seems like all the old folks love e-bikes. Makes sense. No insurance registration. You can stay, up, stay off the roads. Best regards, Dan JW. Yeah, this is a, a big topic, something I've been following, something um, our friend JR has been giving me some reports of some meetings he's he's attended. It's it's a huge topic that is waiting to be addressed. It's going to have to be addressed at, at different levels, at right. city level, at, at you know, county level, state level. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm really torn on it because we've discussed this. The performance level of a lot of the electric bikes has now surpassed the performance level of registered motorcycles that require licensing. And already there are people who are restricting motorized vehicles of any kind. Right. In certain trails, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so uh, I really don't have a comment yet because it is at the 
point where a it's starting to become a problem on the streets and on the trails right but on the other hand it's really awesome that there's such a wide variety of two-wheeled vehicles to have fun on we want to have fun with it so i'm i'm starting to i i've been really just tapping into it and trying to really think about what is a fair solution that may be represented uh in and in and from the government and i'm not there yet we're still collecting and i information. don't i don't think any of us are there yet my, my take on it is i am up for any solution that makes our lifestyle and sports sustainable yeah because the fact of the matter is all it's going to take is for a politician's son daughter mom dad cousin auntie to be involved in an accident with one of these things if they're walking on a trail or walking their dog and it's going to be absolute curtains for us that's all it's going to take or even a politician who wants to make a name for themselves Mm -hmm. and picks the low-hanging fruit and with a stroke of a pen with a blink of an eye Our entire lifestyle could be gone. So we need to do something that's going to make our sport sustainable. Basically, however that looks, there's a mountain of pros and cons. That's where we're at right now and trying to to fish through those and see how how this this, what direction it will go. And it's a very, very complex argument, because if you were to ask a hundred people walking on a trail. What is the one thing that pisses you off the most about motorcycles? They're all going to say the same thing. Noise. Yeah. So I don't want to go into it now. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm really trying to study and gather. And we will be having, um, hopefully, some some people to to come on and talk about. I'll even tell you. I'm like, I wanted to talk to Pete, Pete Buttigieg about this. Like, I'm trying to go to the top yeah. to see what where this is going. So that just know that's... The level I'm working uh, You on. know what? Let's make that happen. Let's do our yeah, best I, I to am make working, that happen. I am working on that. That's what I'm saying. We're not going to talk about it now. This is a big subject, and I'm trying to go to the top. Right. There you go. All right. Uh, Bagel, did you get that? I did. Okay. And I have an email here that says, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. I'm Jimmy riding from Philadelphia. Jimmy! Jimmy from Philly! Is he from but, South Philly with that accent? But, but I'm originally from Texas. Ah. Dying. I was listening to episode 528, and I had to pause the podcast to send this email in defense of my man, Bagel. <gasps> He's 100% correct that there is no way that inflatable material could ever be rigid enough to hold up to punching a hole through the atmosphere at anything more than parking lot speeds. Also, while an expanding slash collapsing fuel cell made of some sort of rubber or fabric could work great, adding an air inflatable quality to it would be irrelevant, and the change in materials to facilitate that would compromise its ability to store fuel. That being said, I want to send all my love to Liza for building a great community of riders and listening and listeners who can join in on the fun. Grease that wheel. I, I've, <laughs> been, I've been between bikes for a couple of years, and this podcast really helps me continue to feel like a part of the riding community. Well, you are, darling. Hmm. Yes, Glad indeed. Thank you, Jimmy. I don't know. If you can build an airplane out of fabric and wood, I'm sure you could build a motorcycle out of 
I still say that you can wood, build a wood, skeleton wood. structure that's inflatable <laughs> canvas that can withhold a lot. And again, I point out river rafting, you know, yeah, the rafts. We've got an inflatable stand-up paddleboard. That thing's rigid as heck when you yeah. get it so, up to yes. like 12 PSI. I, yep. believe, I believe that you can. It's We're not I, talking I flimsy, flimsy, you know, I, full floats. I, I have an inflatable biker friend in my boudoir. <laughs> but thank you for that for that feedback i appreciate it yeah. all right uh, do you think we've reached the end johnny i think we've reached the end no it can't be it can't be the end can it it can we've been having so much fun i'm absolutely thrilled you made it in time liza yeah. you know the show simply isn't the same without you we muddle on we're a captainless ship we really are isn't that what a uh, a pirate ship is? Ar, captains captain's a pirate ships. <laughs> so we're, no, we're hearing beeping. Yeah, I know it's freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> no, I think it's somebody's. I think it's somebody's alarm going off. Yeah, it's a van parking out on the street. Oh, oh well, there you are then. That answers uh-huh. that. So, um, thank you all for listening. We do appreciate you tuning into the show. Um, of course, thank you to all our Patreon subscribers who. With our sponsors, really help keep the lights on yeah, here. It's greatest people. Um, it's this is not actually a cheap show to put together, and it's you guys that really help keep it alive. And Liza, of course, working tire- tirelessly to make sure we have content every week to put out there. That's right. Um, but of course, we're nothing with nothing without our listeners. That's the truth. Exactly. Hey, and if you would like to share an email with us, please send it to motorcyclesandmisfits at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The only thing I enjoy more than reading an email is hearing Bagel <laughs> do his accents. It's absolute. It's, it's like their bagel. It really is. In Much fact, I, I think you have some emails to catch up on on the ask miss Gemma. no i caught up on Did them you? ah good for you oh. tra la la they're, they're asking you some good questions no i'm I, you know the ask miss emma for those that don't know when you get up to a certain level of patreon subscriberage which is a real word i think um <laughs> you gain access to ask miss emma well what's my ask miss emma it is a direct line to me and it's i like check the bat my line right when yeah it's, like, it's the bat line and if you're having problems with your bike or with your dog or cat or problems with your relationship, <laughs> you can reach out and I'll offer you very good solutions. Um, but I get asked incredibly technical questions and I do my absolute utmost to answer them. Sometimes it takes two or three goes, but um, people think, oh, you can only ask a question once. And I can't. I will continue working with you until your problem is solved. Um, and I've done so many, many times. And I'm thrilled that we've kept a lot of older bikes on the road, hopefully with advice you got from me. Right. I appreciate that. No, I, 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 I love doing it. Um, but bear in mind, I'm out of the country for a few weeks and I will not be taking my laptop. So if you haven't had an answer from me, be patient, darling. I'll get to it. Um, and with that, I think we've reached the end of the show. I think we've we've got as much out of this dead horse as we possibly can. Um, so with that, we'll say our goodbyes. I think we should. Starting from that side of the room. Thanks, everybody. This is Liza. Shh, don't be John. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Emma Darling and Scotty Bagel and we are out of here cool 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 cool, cool.